Well, hello again and welcome in everybody. This is Kevin Hissong with Rain Over Money. Thank you for joining me today. Beautiful sunny day. Summer has finally arrived. Uh, again, Kevin Hissong, Rain Over Money. Today we are going to be talking about unlocking income from your investments. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, it can be very general or it can be very specific. And in general, I've actually had this question come up a few times from listeners and people uh, watching the, uh, um, the the YouTube version. Um, how do I get my, let's, let's say I'm ready to start taking some income from my investments. I'm, I'm going from the accumulation phase into the, I don't know what's another word for, we've always used in the uh, industry, we use decumulation. Let's say I want to start to decumulate or I want to start to create or take income from my investments, investment accounts, how do I do it? And I think when people ask, how do I do it? It's not just, well, you set up div dividend accounts and you withdraw, you know, you, uh, stocks and mutual funds pay dividends and this and that, and that's how you get your income. I think they really wanna know, how do I go about the steps of actually physically getting the money from my retirement accounts into my bank accounts so I can spend it? So I'm going to try and, and do both. I'm going to talk from a macro level and a micro level of how you unlock income from your investments. And uh, again, thanks for joining episode 18, Rain Over Money. Uh, feel free to join us on Twitter, Instagram, Rain Over Money is the tag there and uh, YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. So let's dive into this here. Uh, first and foremost, let's say you have, um, as many of you will someday, you've been contributing to your retirement accounts. For most people, it's a 401k. Uh, if you're a teacher, it's a 403b. There could also be a 457 account if you're with a hospital or a government. Um, some type of deferred, um, deferred, compensation plan. There's two types of plans, deferred compensation, which is your 401k, which is your 403b. You're taking your income that you have your compensation you've received over your lifetime and you've deferred taxes on it by putting it in these retirement accounts, hoping that they'll grow. The other side to deferred compensation accounts is defined benefit, benefit plans, defined benefit plans. Uh, defined benefit plans, a little more rare nowadays, that's essentially your pension. Think of it, I mean, the term is there, defined benefit. The company is defining what type of benefit you are going to get should you stay at the company 10 years, 20 years, whatever it may be. Same with the military, same with the government, and so on and so forth. So you've got the two type plans. So I'm really gonna focus on the defined contribution plans, the 401ks and, and 403bs and so on and so forth. So let's say you are separated from service, you are retired, you are ready to start taking income. You've uh, saved upwards of, just to make some round numbers so we can use them here, let's say you have saved up a million dollars and now you are retired and ready to take that income. For most retirement accounts, you cannot access the accounts until you're 59 and a half. There are some, uh, I don't wanna say loopholes, but there are some instances where you can get around that. But for the majority of people, um, what we're concerned with here, obviously, is the masses. We can get specifics in another episode, but 59 and a half is when you can start taking its income. So as long as you're over 59 and a half, you're retired, you're ready to start taking income. How do I get my money from my 401k into my bank account to start spending that? And, and what's the best way to go about it? 
and you know is it annually or quarterly or how do i get assets so let's uh let's take that step by step so first and foremost your money is going to be in a 401k the first decision is going to be do i keep that money in a 401k or do i move it to an ira think of an ira um, as a, a kind of a catch-all deferred tax account uh, it can take assets from 403bs you can take assets from iras and so you, you know they can kind of kind of commingle i hate to use that word because you have to be careful of how you mix the money but for the most part if it's tax deferred you can roll it into an ira if you're working with a financial advisor many times they will want you to move that money into an ira and for the most part that's okay iras are uh, they're, they're not expensive to administer. Uh, you may pay $40 or $100 a year to have that 401k administered at the custodian, wherever it's at, be it Morgan Stanley, Schwab, Fidelity, so on and so forth. A lot of them may even waive those fees anymore. Um, but yeah, if an advisor is asking to do that, for many reasons they do that, it allows them to not be constricted by the investment accounts that are in your 401k or 403b. Uh, it gives them carte blanche access to the, the ETFs, mutual funds, stocks that they want to use in that IRA that, that probably go along with the investment philosophy of that financial advisor or investment advisor, certain, uh, in, uh, certain types of investments they want to use that they don't have access to in your 401k account. They're a little bit more handcuffed with that 401k. Not to say you can't do it. Uh, so that's the first option. Uh, is do you move it to an IRA or keep it in a 401k? Then it becomes, okay, how do I turn on the income spigot? And the nice thing about it is many plans are very flexible nowadays about how you can get your income. You can set it up to um, send you a monthly sweep or withdrawal. You can do it quarterly. You can do it annually. Uh, I think a lot of people do it monthly just because it helps them set up a budget. Obviously, if you're living in retirement, you are a little more constricted to your budget because you're not earning money anymore, especially if you've gone fully retired, you're not earning income. So you do have to stick to that budget a little bit better. So having that sent to you on a, on a monthly basis, kind of like a monthly paycheck, uh, and especially if you're coinciding that with Social Security is you're going to get your Social Security check and your, your uh, retirement check from your retirement account as well. You know, the amount, all that is going to be decided by your uh, you know, hopefully talking with your investment advisor, deciding on what you want to do there, what your wants and needs are going to be in retirement, so on and so forth. But that's not for me to decide. Uh, we will get into, and, and I've talked a little bit about the 4% rule and things like that. But my main focus on this episode is talking about how's that income then get from your IRA into your retirement account. A lot of times uh, you'll fill out a, a bank authorization form or an ACH form that will be sent to the custodian where your assets are, whether it's again Fidelity, Schwab, whatever it may be. And you will tell them how you want that money withdrawn, when you want it withdrawn, and it will come into your bank account uh, on that day of the month roughly. Usually it takes you know one to three business days to transfer money from the custodial account into your bank account. Um, not a big de deal there. And usually once it's set up, it will be an automated basis. Um, how do you get the money moved over? Well, let's say you're invested in five different uh, exchange traded funds. You've got your S&P 500, you've got a small cap, a large cap, an international and a bond fund. Um, each month you will need, the money just doesn't come from those ETFs and, and go right into your bank account. It has to first be sold off and go into a cash account 
at your custodian. So think of it, your IRA is going to have your investment accounts, and then it's gonna have this little sundry account, little cash account, where maybe your dividends collect, or your interest collects, or anything you sell goes into that account. Once you uh, decide how much you're gonna pull, let's say you're gonna pull $1,000 a month. So we're getting close to, uh, let's say the first of the month, you want your income to come out on the first of the month. Either um, it will automatically be sold off or your investment advisor will sell off those assets so that you make sure you have $1,000 in your cash account at your, in your IRA. And when the first of the month hits, that whatever that $1,000 that's in the cash account in your IRA will transfer over to your bank account. Money goes to your bank account, it's now your money to spend. So again, there's a couple steps involved there. First, you know, once is establishing how much you want, establishing the paperwork to get the transfer set up, um, but also establishing how the money is going to be, what's gonna be sold off to keep your assets allocated the right way. Because if you think about it, you've got five different investment accounts, five different ETFs that you're in. Usually you wanna pull what's called pro rata. You wanna pull your money from each individual investment account pro rata. So let's say you've got 20% in your S&P 500 fund, 20% in your small cap, 20% in your mid cap, 20% in your international, and 20% in your bond fund. When you pull that $1,000 out, you essentially want to sell off $200 from each so that the allocation stays roughly the same in your investment account because you want that investment account to keep growing. Uh, we definitely want that investment account to keep growing because we want it to outpace inflation uh, in retirement because if not, you're going to be spending more than you're making. And the goal is to really try to spend less than you're making so that your investment account and, and retirement account continues to grow while you're in retirement. So you get the, those, uh, those assets sold off each month, they go into your cash account, and then it gets transfer, transferred over to your bank account. Uh, that's how it works. Um, you know, it can look, it, it's going to be very similar across the board, whether it's in an IRA that's an annuity, whether it's in a, uh, 401k investment, whether it's in individual stocks, you're going to be selling off a portion of your investments each month or quarter, going into a cash account and then transferring over to your bank account when you say you want those, those assets. Um, another thing to think about is, is it's not set in stone. You can adjust that amount that you want. Let's say after the first year of retirement, you say, well, I'm not spending everything that I'm getting, so maybe I want to reduce how much I'm, uh, I'm getting in my monthly withdrawals. You can do that, very flexible. Just uh, a lot of the times you'll have authorization, again, through your investment advisor, or you can contact your custodian and they can uh, make the changes to that as well. Uh, also, let's say uh, you have a one-time expense coming up, you need a new car, your AC unit broke down in your house, and you're going to need an additional outlay from your IRA. Uh, you can do that as well. Uh, not only can you continue your systematic withdrawals, but you can take a one-time distribution as needed from your IRA. Now, obviously you wanna be careful with that because this is all the money you've got in retirement that you're tapping. So if you've made a plan with your investment advisor to pull that $1,000 a month and you all feel secure about that uh, in terms of how you're pulling those assets and that you're going to have enough to live on over time, you've gotta be careful how much you hit those accounts for one-time expenses uh, because it can be something that can lead to, uh, to some danger down the road uh, that maybe you didn't plan for.
So I hope that sheds a little light on how to do it. It's not rocket science. It's just something a lot of people, you know, all we've thought about is saving and putting money away and money's coming out of our paycheck and it's going into this investment account. Hopefully it's grown over time. It's great. But when it's time to turn the spigot on and start to take, take income, that's the nuts and bolts of how it actually gets into your bank account. Now, I want to take another, um, another look at that because a lot of the times you've heard me talk about dividends. Um, again, through your investment advisor or on your own, maybe you've set up an account uh, that's maybe not even in a retirement account. Maybe it's just a joint brokerage account that we've talked about, a brokerage account that you establish, whether it's E-Trade through Schwab, Fidelity, Robinhood, whatever it may be. Uh, but let's say you, you've grown some assets in those accounts. You've got stocks that are paying dividends. <clears throat> and for a long time, you've been doing what we said was, was a drip program, a dividend reinvestment program, where um, the Cintas's of the world or the Illinois Tool Works or Johnson & Johnson pays a dividend. Uh, you obviously have to pay taxes on those dividends if it's in a brokerage account, but then you're buying more shares. You're not taking and, and physically holding the dividend money. You're reinvesting that so that it can buy more shares, continue to grow over time as we talked about. Well, let's say you change your mind now. You want to turn on that spigot for your brokerage account and start getting those dividends sent to you instead of um, them being reinvested. That's very easy to do as well. Uh, again, contacting your custodian. A lot of times you can do it online or working with your investment advisor. Uh, I know with, with E-Trade, I can simply toggle each stock and say if I want to do dividend reinvestment or if I just want to receive those dividends in cash. Once you turn that on, and the next dividend gets paid, let's say Johnson & Johnson pays out a $100 dividend for the quarter, instead of it buying more shares of Johnson & Johnson, that $100, just like I said earlier with your IRA, is going to go into a cash account that's attached to your brokerage account. Whether it's an IRA account, whether it's a brokerage account, all investment accounts have some type of cash account attached to it. It's kind of all wrapped in one account. So your joint brokerage account will have the investment side and it'll have this cash side as well. So that, that repository for, for cash, that $100 comes in. Maybe you've got some other dividend payers that are paying, and maybe you say, you know, I want all the dividends that accumulate over a monthly basis or overly a over a quarterly basis sent to me. So maybe every quarter uh, you accumulate about $300 or so in dividends. That uh, account sweeps. It sends to you those dividends, again, linked between your bank account and your brokerage account. So if you haven't done that, you do want to turn on the spigot, you need to somehow fill out a form or do it online to set up an ACH uh, between your brokerage account and your bank account. Uh, those dividends funnel into the cash account. They get transferred over when you say so and go into your bank account to spend as needed. Now, the cool thing about dividends, and this works with, with not only dividends, but uh, ETFs, mutual funds, I've said anything that pays off uh, a dividend or even bonds that pay off in, uh, interest as well. One thing that's pretty cool that, that I worked with, and, and I have clients that were very receptive to this um, when I was uh, on the retail side working with individual clients, is there's something called, and it's a term that's used a lot now, but it's mailbox money. You know, but what's cool is you can set it up. The nice thing is stocks, ETFs, any type of investment pays their interest or dividends on a set schedule. So some investments pay their, their dividends or interest monthly, some pay quarterly. Well, not all stocks pay on the same quarter. So depending on those different stocks and investments you buy, you can actually have dividends being paid to you every month. 
Um, it just depends on the ones you choose. And when you go in to buy a stock, you can see, oh, this pays on, uh, uh, what, what, January, April, uh, August, and October. I may have botched that. But, you know, it pays every three months. And then you can get another one that pays every February and every May and so on and so forth. So you can actually set it up so you, you have some type of cash flow just, just from dividends coming in on a monthly basis uh, via, via an ACH from your brokerage account to your bank account. The nice thing about that is these dividends are coming in. Don't take away from your actual stock or, or ETF holdings. Your holdings stay just as they are. Your shares stay the same. You're just getting the distributions of the dividends being paid off. So your investments continue to grow, but now you're creating and generating income that's not reinvesting and buying you more shares, but is coming to your bank account. It's a great way to dip your toe into it. Um, you know, if you're if you're thinking about starting to turn on the spigot, uh, a nice way to try it out is if you do have a brokerage account or some type of individual stock account, you can turn it on and set it up and see what it's like to actually get those dividends sent to you instead of reinvested. It, it's nice to see it, especially if you start out with like a Verizon or an AT&T dividend. Uh, maybe you get enough coming in that it's paying your uh, your monthly cell phone bill or whatever. Very cool to set it up that way to do something like that. So just a couple ideas I wanted to get uh, at a high level and on detail that just so you understand when it's time to turn on income in retirement, what it's going to look like, different ways to do it. We're going to get into some other specific ideas further down the road, probably in season two, uh, because again, we're still going through the ROM diagram here. This is going to take care of another, another triangle. We've got a few more episodes left to complete the ROM diagram, and then we'll really get down and dirty into season two as well. So that's going to wrap me up for episode 18. Again, Kevin Hissong, Rain Over Money. Thanks for joining. Um, also, if you do view this on YouTube, or if you ever check out the YouTube account, I am going to do something special. I'm going to walk you through, um, it's just going to be a, a quick hitter, but I want to walk through something that I don't think a lot of people understand in using Southwest and how you can take advantage of their, um, the way they've set up their, their ticketing system and how you can always look for the lowest price and rebook tickets to save on cost, even on flights you booked. I know a lot of people have booked flights for the summer and whatnot. Uh, I'm going to show you a couple ideas to the YouTube channel, Rain Over Money on YouTube, of, of how to walk through the website and set it up so you can look and see if you could potentially save money based on when you bought the latest fare and uh, or when you bought the fare for the first time and see if maybe you can save on cost, rebook that fare now and save some dollars. We've done it multiple times. It saved us thousands of dollars over the years, and I will show you how to do that on the YouTube channel and a little short that's coming up here in the next day or so. But again, episode 18 complete. Thanks for joining us. Kevin Hissong, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, visit us on Twitter, Instagram, shoot me a note, say hello, visit the website, rainovermoney.com. Take care, have a great day, enjoy summer, and we will talk to you soon. See you.